Okay, um, we're going to try this again. I'm actually recording this in my living room at my house this week. This is uh, Phil from Crosspoint. We tried to record the message on Sunday yesterday, and here it is on Monday. We realized that we didn't get a recording of it because of a new soundboard that we installed that we're pretty excited about at Crosspoint. But we, because of that, because of installing the new board and not having everything set up properly, we didn't get a recording of yesterday's message. So I'm recording this for anyone who wants to hear it. Um, it'll be up on our podcast and on our website, and that way you can hear it if you just missed the message yesterday. So we're in a series called On Display, and this is part two of the series that we're in, and we are talking about Jesus and about how he is on display for God and how, in turn, we need to be on display for God. If you go to Crosspoint Fellowship, you'll see a bunch of artwork on the stage, just on the walls behind the stage. And most of that artwork, honestly, is uh, produced, has been made by Crosspointers, people who go to Crosspoint Fellowship on a regular basis. And a few pieces were made of a, of a friend of someone who goes to Crosspoint. And we are putting that artwork on display for anyone who wants to come and take a look at it on Sundays. Beautiful artwork. And it's reminding us, the artwork is reminding us that we also need to be on display for the world, just like Jesus himself was on display for the world when he came representing all that God is. And we're going to see that today in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Um, we do have our verses in a live event in the Uversion app. So if you're listening to this at home and you have the Uversion app on your iPad or uh, tablet or iPhone or, or Android phone, you can pull up our live event. We keep those verses on there for uh, seven days from the message. So if you're listening to it the same week that this message was preached, then you can go in there and, and go verse by verse with me in there. So Colossians 1, 15 through 23, we're going to go uh, just one verse at a time for a little bit, just kind of break this thing down. Colossians was written by Paul to a group of people in a town of Colossae at, during his time, just a little bit after Jesus, Jesus' death and resurrection. And He's writing them to give them some early theology about Christ. Uh, Jesus was just really a man to most people of his day. People, you know, maybe went to school with Jesus or lived down the street as Jesus. Maybe their cabinet in their bedroom was made by Jesus himself when, when he was doing his carpenter days. So people had a lot of trouble believing that Jesus was actually God himself in flesh, come to earth from heaven. And Paul's going to talk about that some in the passage that we're reading today, but it was difficult for people to understand that. And it's difficult for people today to understand that most of the world would actually, if they were truly being honest, would, would not admit that they think that Jesus was God uh, and the true one and only true God. And so he's writing to them 2000 years ago, Paul is, but he's also writing to us today to convince us about how Jesus was on display for God and that he was God himself. So we're going to read just a little bit of theology today and and just kind of you know dive deep into it. So starting in verse 15 of Colossians 1, it says, He, and, it, and every time we see he or him during this message, we're going to know that it's talk, he's talking about Jesus this whole time. So he, speaking about Jesus, is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. So the first thing we learn is that Jesus is the fullness of God, that he's an exact representation of everything that God is. Now, this is a pretty bold claim to start out this passage, that Jesus is equal to God himself. 
the word image in that verse that he's the visible image of the invisible God. The word image means uh, an exact exact representation, exactly one to one. The Greek word there that's used that we translate as image is the Greek word icon, which is where we get our word icon. And it could be used like in the context of a mirror, like this morning when you got up, if you went to the bathroom and you got dressed or got ready in front of the mirror, there's no doubt in your mind that the person that's staring back to you in that mirror is is you, and it's it's one and the same as as you your you know your person your body. If you make a funny face in the mirror, the person in the mirror is going to make a funny face back. If you uh, raise one side of your body, it's going to raise the same side, and, and it's going to mirror everything that you do because it is you. So Paul isn't saying when he's saying that he's the visible image, one hundred percent image of God. He's not saying that Jesus is like God, like you and I can be like God. He's saying that Jesus and God are one and the same. This is a bold, bold claim from from Paul to us. Now, some of us are like, yeah, you know, of course, of course, he's God. But I've, I've grown up believing that. But you got to keep in mind, most of the world does not believe this. They do not believe the statement in verse fifteen of chapter one that Jesus was God Himself. But Later on, again, he actually reiterates it a few verses later in verse 19. We're going to read that here in a few minutes. But he again says it. He says, the fullness of God lived inside Jesus' body. And on Sunday, yesterday, I played a clip from Aladdin, the movie Aladdin where where the genie is talking about what it's like to be a genie. And, and he says, it's not all, it's not all great. Um, you know, sometimes I feel trapped. And this quote is awesome. He says, um, you know, being a genie is like having phenomenal cosmic power, itty bitty living space. And I think that's kind of what, what Jesus is, is like, that he has the fullness of God, the fullness of God's phenomenal cosmic power, if you will, in an itty bitty living space, just a small human body. Um, so, so Paul definitely believed that. I definitely believe that, that Jesus, as he was walking the earth and as he stands today, is the fullness, 100% fullness of God. In fact, he existed even before creation, that he was not a created being, but he actually created everything we see. So let's take a look at that next verse in verse 16, where he says that. It says, For through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Jesus made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, just as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. So what we learn from this next verse is that Jesus is the fullness of God's power. Everything in the universe that was created through the power that Jesus holds in his right hand was was created by him. And and that too is a very big statement. When you think about, you know, whoever creates something, the thing that they created is going to be a lot less in power than than the creator. Uh, the person who created it is clearly more powerful, but Creation itself is extremely, extremely powerful and vast, um, and also intricate as well. Um, when you think about creation, I, I read this this week, this last week, that if you were to reduce our solar system, just to get an idea of how big the universe is, our solar system, if it was to fit on a quarter, just a U.S. quarter, the sun would be in the middle of the quarter, uh, the planets and, and the the moon and you know everything revolving around the sun would be just microscopic little specks of dust on that quarter. It'd be so small you couldn't really even see it. And then if you were to uh, throw a quarter nearest that, that represents the nearest star to our star, to our sun, you would have to throw it two football fields away. That's the closest star to our solar system. 
And that's just within our Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy, by comparison to the two quarters that we just mentioned, would be the size of the United States. That's how big the galaxy is that we live in compared to just our solar system is like a quarter versus the United States. And then what's crazy is that's only one galaxy, just the Milky Way galaxy. Beyond our galaxy, some scientists believe, a lot of scientists believe that there could be as many as 100 million more galaxies. So you picture 100 million United States out there, all that landmass, and then down to one United States, one galaxy, and then down to one quarter. And then Earth is just a speck of dust that you couldn't, you could barely even see microscopic on top of that quarter. And that is how big the universe is that Jesus himself created. So if Jesus is powerful enough to create all of that, all of that expanse, like Paul said, a lot of this stuff, we're not even going to be able to see it. Um, if he was powerful enough to create all of that, how powerful is Jesus? Jesus is the fullness of God's power. And we know that because he has created everything that we see and everything that we don't see. And then he actually goes one step further. We're going to read the whole rest of this next verse. And I want to touch on just the last part of it first, and we'll come back to the first part of it. Verse 16 and 17, it says, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Now, the last part is really, really interesting to me. It's actually saying that Jesus not only created everything that we see and everything that we can't see, like we've already talked about, but that he's still holding it all together. That Jesus, the same man that walked the earth, is holding creation together. He's, it's crazy to think about, but he's holding all the cells in your body together right now as you're listening to this. He is keeping all the planets, the moons, the stars, the solar systems, the galaxies all of that heads in the, in the right and correct direction and stays intact and stays in space um, without falling into entropy because Jesus is making it do so. So is Jesus powerful? Obviously, yes. He's the fullness of God's power because uh, since he is still holding all creation together. But let's go back to the first part of that verse that we just read in 16, the end of 16 and 17. Everything that was created was created for him. Now, some of you may push back a little bit on that and say, you know, well, that's kind of, isn't that kind of selfish that Jesus would create everything and it's really just for his, himself. He's, he's keeping it to himself. It's just for his pleasure. Um, how dare he, you know, create something and then not share it with, with anyone. Well, I have a couple different responses to that. Um, the second response really is that he is sharing that with us, but we'll get to that here in a second. The first response that I would have is that honestly, I, I think that's his prerogative. I, let me use this as an as an analogy, as an example. I, I'm not definitely not smart enough to build a house, but let's say I let's say I, I could was smart enough and handy enough to build a house for my wife and I to live in. Once I completed that house, I don't technically have to let you live there, even if you wanted to live in this house. I don't have to let you live there. It's my house. I can do whatever I want with it. If I want to have you over to the house for dinner or over, you know, invite a bunch of people over for a party or something like that, I can do that and you can share in what is mine. But because it's my house, because I built it, ultimately I get to decide what I do with it. And that's essentially all that verse is saying is that Jesus has created all this stuff for him and he's, it's his right to do that. But the cool thing is that we actually realize that throughout the rest of scripture that God is sharing creation with us. He doesn't have to, he didn't have to create humans and humanity at all, but he did. And he did so, so that we can enjoy the creation that he has created and that he owns still and is holding it all together. So 
it's when you really think about it, when we say phrases like it's my job, it's my house, it's my car, it's my uh, friends or the, my stuff that's in my house or whatever it is, it's, it seems kind of silly when you really think about it, that we could, could, that we could own anything in this transient life, these 70, 80, 90 years that we live on the earth, that we can actually claim ownership over anything when when we really think about it, it's really God's stuff. So the first thing I want, I want to talk about three things today about how we can be on display for God. One is to be like Jesus and to share our stuff. Maybe the way that you, first way that you be on display for God this week is to share your stuff with someone in need. It's on loan from him to us anyways. And it's really silly when you think about how greedy we can get with the stuff that really belongs to him that he's just letting us have. I have a quick, funny story about this. We, a bunch of us went to to McDonald's for lunch after church a week ago, and and uh, we have this friend named Denise that attends Crosspoint Fellowship, and she has a, a little young daughter named Cyan. If you know who, who Cyan, you know she's just this cute little girl, and she obviously is so young that she doesn't know you know a lot about society and how how things work, and and she's too young to know that. But she had a, a just kind of a funny comment. She was uh we she bought Denise bought fries at McDonald's but she only brought bought one pack of fries because Cyan's not big enough to eat a whole thing of fries by herself so she bought one pack of fries for the two of them to share and she set the fries in front of Cyan she kind of had to do that but it kind of created a problem that I'm going to describe here in a second but um they were sitting a table away from each other and so she put the fries in front of Cyan just to make it easy for her to grab them and uh, and then Denise reached over and tried to grab a fry, and Cyan just looked up with her, looked up at her mom with just this evil, you know, how dare you look, and just kind of you know wondering why she was doing this. And then you know a few seconds went by, and then Denise went back for a cup. Just I think she tried tried to grab like maybe two fries out of this massive pot of fries, and um, she Cyan's reaction was immediately to slap her mom's hand and say no, and. All of us just had a laugh. I mean, it was so cute, but it was so funny. And so, um, you know, in a kid way, kind of greedy, you know, like all kids are. Uh, and I think, you know, you and I can be like this as well, even as adults. We get so possessive over our stuff and we think that that we're the only ones that have any right to the things that we own. When really it's all his stuff. It's all Jesus' stuff. The verses that we just read, he created it all. He holds it all together it's, it's his stuff. He it, he created it for himself, and he is sharing it with us. He's letting us have it. And yet, especially when we see somebody in need, we so often keep it to ourselves. But if we're going to be on display for Jesus, we need to be like Jesus. And Jesus is sharing his stuff with us. We need to share it with other people as well. Let's go into the next part. The second part of the passage we're going to read, it kind of turns a corner. In verse 18, he's really talking about Christ's position. Uh, over the church. Why is he so powerful in the church? Verse 18, it says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Okay, we're going to break this down just for a little bit here. Um, So what we learn from this is that Jesus is the fullness of God's leadership, that he is the head of the church. Now, Paul's kind of creating this image of a human being, you know, Jesus being the head of the body and the re- everything from the neck down being the church. 
Now, when we say church at Crosspoint, and you know, most churches say this these days because it's it's truth, it's what's biblical, that we are the church. the The church is not a building; it's not a time and place that we meet. Like we go to church at the such and such time. The church is a collective group of people that are following Jesus, following and and on on mission together, worshiping and following Jesus. Now. This is the second way that you can be on display for God. Um, Jesus always did whatever he saw the Father doing. We want to be on on display for God, for Jesus specifically, by being a part of his body and following the leadership of the head, which is Christ. On mission together, being a part of God's body. Now, at our church, our pastor's name is Shane. If you listen to this podcast, you've heard a lot from Shane over the years. Shane is not the head of Crosspoint Fellowship. Um, Jesus is. He, he's the only one that gets to wear that hat as the leader of Crosspoint Fellowship. Now, Shane happens to be following Jesus, why, which is why we follow Shane. But if the day were to come, and I don't believe that it ever would, obviously, but um, if the day were to come where he would say, I'm no longer going to follow Jesus, we would no longer follow Shane. That's really the simple part of it. We would another leader would rise up that says, I will follow Jesus, and we would follow that person instead. Ultimately, we're following Jesus, and it just so happens that we have a great leader in Shane who is also following Jesus and is leading us towards him. So Jesus is leading. How can you get involved with what Jesus is doing in his church? I think there's several ways at Crosspoint. We we bring these ways up quite a bit. Um, One is just to encourage others and be encouraged and be challenged by people in small group, in circles, with one another, face-to-face. Another way that we talk about a lot is just simply serving with other people, especially, and you can serve on your own as well, but at Crosspoint, we, we try to create ways that we can serve not just each other, but serve people who are outside of the church, people who are non, what we call non-fans of God, to, but together as a collective group. And then maybe for some of you, it's just regularly just coming to a place of worship. Maybe it's Crosspoint, maybe it's somewhere else, but you just say, I'm going to be faithfully there every time that I, I can, you know, if it's Sundays for you, I want to worship God. I want to learn more about Him and do this alongside my brothers and sisters who are also in a part of Christ's body. So Jesus is the head of the church. We know that he's the fullness of God's leadership, and we are following him. That's how you can be on display for him in a second way. And then there's a third way that we're going to uh, talk about after we read these next verses. So a uh, third part takes turns another corner here. He's uh, no longer talking about Jesus' authority and position, but more about what he has done specifically what he's done for his church, for the people that are following him. So in verse 19, we're going to read several verses in a row here. Verse 19, it says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. That's the itty-bitty living space verse. Um, And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. What we learn from this passage here, we've got a couple more verses to read here in a second, but it talks about how Jesus is the fullness of God's reconciling grace to us. And he showed that through the cross. Now, the word reconciling is a word that we don't use a whole lot in our everyday vernacular, unless you are 
in some kind of an accounting role. Maybe you do accounts receivable or, or accounts payable, especially accounts payable at your place of business. You might use the word reconciling every day if you're in that kind of a position. Now, I just recently went on I'm not a finance guy, but I understand what I need to know when I go on a business trip. A little, about a week and a half ago, I went on a business trip through the school that I work for. I work for Aurora High School, and I, they sent me on a business trip to Minneapolis. When I went on that trip, they gave me the company card, which is something I'm not used to having. But they said, yes, you can have this card. You can use it to pay for your meals and, and whatever you need to, to get get through this trip. But keep your receipts. You've got to bring your receipts back to us with the card. Now, why did they tell me to keep my receipts when I went on that trip? What's the reason for that? Well, they need to reconcile the credit card receipts with a credit card statement. When they see the credit card statement, they're going to see that $10 was spent on this, $8 was spent on that, $6 was spent on that. But why? why? They have to reconcile that debt with a particular um, expenditure. They have to know what was used and what it was for. Well, that's, that's the basics of reconciling from what I understand of reconciling debt. But what, it's, what Paul's talking about here is that we have been reconciled back to Christ um, because of our separation from him. Our evil thoughts and our actions, like what he said in verse 21, have separated us from Christ and created an enormous debt. You'll actually hear some more about that as we go throughout the series and look at other verses in Colossians here in the next couple of weeks. But but suffice it to say for today, we have accumulated a massive amount of debt against God with, with all of our evil thoughts and our actions. All of us have sinned. The Bible talks a lot about that. No one is exempt from that except for Christ. And we can never repay the debt. The, the debt that we've stacked up against God, we can never do anything enough good things to ever make good on that. It's we're essentially like homeless people trying to pay back billions of dollars worth of debt. It's just not going to happen. But God sent his son to pay the debt off. He paid it in full through the death of Christ in his physical body through the cross. And so um, we see a little bit of that here. We'll see even more of that here in the next couple of weeks, but it is specifically the blood of Jesus shed on the cross that brought us peace between us and God. We were enemies with him, and he made peace with us through his blood on the cross. But what specifically does that do for us? We know it it, it uh, pays for our debt and, and pays off that debt, but what more, what else does it do? What does it do for us in the future? In verse 22, it says, as a result of, this is a, as a result of just Jesus' death on the cross, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy you are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. This is a huge sentence and my favorite sentence that we're going to read today for this message. You are holy and blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. Uh, we know from this verse and other verses in the Bible that talk about it, that Jesus gives us the fullness of his holiness and his blameless. We are able to be on display for God as holy and blameless people. Now, I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. I, I've been following, trying to, my best to follow Christ for about 30 years, and I still don't understand how this is possible. That God makes me, a, a sinner, a, a person who still sins daily, holy. It makes a person like me blameless. That I stand before God in His presence, in His own presence, as verse 22 just said, without a single fault. He sees me 
who, who has just a little bit of faith in him, he sees me as someone who has never done anything wrong, that has never had any debt against him. And it's all because of his work on the cross that I can stand before him in that way. So we've gone through a lot of theology the, uh, through this message this afternoon as I'm recording this and as you're listening to this. But what now? What, what do we do with all this theology? We know all these things about Jesus, how he was on display for God. And, and we've learned a few things about how we can be on display for him, sharing our stuff with other people and being a part of God's body. But he says one small statement at the, at the end of the passage in verse 23 that I think gives us just another thing to think about. In verse 23, he says, You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been, been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Paul, maybe more than anyone else in human history besides Jesus, understood the concept of on, on display. I wonder sometimes if you and I really understand it the way that he did. He understood that we have to preach this great news all over the world and proclaim it to everyone who hasn't heard. We are on display for the world to see how great Jesus is all the time. Whether whether you know it or not, somebody just might be watching you and watching to see what Jesus is like. So the third way that I just want to leave with you today, how we're on display, is to see, uh, to, to preach the good news about Jesus Christ, what he has done for all of humanity. And to do this as we go, just as we go to work, as we go to school, as we walk our streets, we want to be on display proclaiming the good news about what Jesus has done. So maybe this afternoon or this morning, whenever you're listening to this, you're maybe you're, you're one of two things. One, maybe you're not convinced yet that Jesus is exactly who Paul says that he was. Um, and is still today, that he has the power both to create, but also to save you and to be the leader that you need uh, in your life to, to have a life uh, full of, of, uh, of goodness and life and, and life, just life itself. He holds the power of life in his hands and he gives that to you, but maybe you're not convinced of that as you're listening to this. My prayer for you today would be that just by reading his scripture, by coming to church, um, by talking to other believers, um, people that, that believe and have faith in Jesus, that you might be more and more convinced of who Jesus is today and how he can save you. Um, we would love to talk to you more about that at Crosspoint. You can email us or call us or, or just come on a Sunday morning. We would love to talk to you more about what he can do for you and how he has the fullness of life for you. But maybe today you're listening to this and that's kind of, that's a subtle deal for you. You've been walking and trying to follow Christ for many years now. And um, you just need to think about being on display for him. How can you, uh, one, share the good news with other people, just sharing how great Jesus is and what he's done for you, telling your story that, that no one can take away from you, telling your story with other, to other people. Um, maybe it's by sharing with those in need. There's somebody around you that has great need or, or just a little bit of need, and you can meet that need by sharing some of God's stuff that he's loaned to you, that he's given to you to borrow while you live this life. And you can just be like him and share that with other people. Maybe it's just by being a part of his body. Maybe um, maybe you're not attending uh, worship regularly and worshiping with your brothers and sisters. Or maybe you're worshiping regularly but not involved in a small group or not serving in any way. I would encourage you just lovingly as a, as a brother in Christ to say, 
Um, take that next step. Be on display for God by being a part of his body. I want to pray for you. And then, um, if, again, if you want to pray with us, please get in contact with us. We would love to help you take those next steps in Christ. God, we just thank you for anyone that's listening to this podcast today. And I pray that that you would do wonderful things in their life and help them take those next steps of what it means to be on display for uh, for them. Maybe for that, some people that's listening to this, it's it's becoming on display for you for the first time acknowledging you as savior, acknowledging you as um, the one who's going to create life in their heart. And, and you can do that. Even as they're listening to this podcast, they can cry out to you and ask for you to save them. Maybe for others, it's just to take that next step in sharing what you've given to them with other people who are in need. Maybe it's to start to tithe or start to give to the people who are around them, their loved ones that need um, money or need, you know, things that they can share Maybe it's um, by taking just a next step of just getting deeper into God's body or, or just, um, uh, you know, serving alongside other people. I pray that whatever next steps it is for these uh, people that are listening to this, I just pray that you would help them, uh, that you wouldn't make them feel alone, but that they are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They're doing their best to be on display for you. Uh, we love you, God. We thank you for what you're doing at Crosspoint and around the world with your church. In your name I pray. Amen.